Hello, everybody. Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 11. It's page 13 in the Church Bible. Genesis chapter 11, and we're starting at verse 27. Abram, Abram's family. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishkah. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. This is the word of the Lord. Our Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 28, which is on page 1000 of the Church Bibles. And we'll start to read at verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. 
you, David. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, thank you particularly, Ruth, for the uh, difficult names in that reading. You did an excellent job. Uh, good evening, everybody. A very warm uh, welcome from me as well. In case you don't know me, my name's Adam. I'm the vicar here at St. Jude's. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online as well. Uh, some great passages to think about this evening. Let's pray uh, before we do that. Let's pray together. We just sung a moment ago, it's you we glorify. Be high and lifted up. Lord God, in this place, that is our wish, that is our desire, that you would be high and lifted up. Lord God, as we come before your word this evening, would you speak to us afresh from it? Would you de dwell deeply in it? And would you lead us to you through it? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, for coming to the building this evening on a Friday evening. I know some of you have been at work. Some of you have had very long weeks. Uh, it's great uh, to be able to begin this weekend at home together uh, and to be thinking about what uh, our vision is uh, and particularly to be thinking as we enter into this new season of life as a church. I've used that phrase, new season of life, a few times in the last uh, few weeks, and it's quite common uh, for a vicar when they come to a church to talk about the new season of life uh, that there may be. New, new vicars always bring new seasons of life, don't they? Quite probably. Actually, I firmly believe this new season of life that begins this weekend here at St. Jude's would have happened regardless of me. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be humble or pretend to be humble in any way, shape or form. And I'm certainly not saying it in order to sort of uh, deflect any responsibility for what comes next. It's a firm belief that this new season of life has been part of God's plan for the church for some time. As you read the parish profile, which you wrote now two years ago, much of what you reflected in that was about the understanding that we were entering a new season of life. And of course, quite apart from the fact of what's happened here at St. Jude's, uh, we have together in the last 18 months been through one of the most rocking experiences that may well happen in my lifetime. COVID has changed the way we perceive the world, perceive each other, deal with each other. And I think this new season of life isn't just for us here at St. Jude's, I think it is uh, for God's church around the world. I almost chose for this evening uh, Isaiah 43. Uh, it's a passage you may well know well. I just put some words on the screen from it there. In fact, uh, verses 18 and 19 were the very first verses of the year that we have records for back in the 1980s. I think even before I was born, uh, in case uh, that helps you feel younger or not. Uh, verse 18 19 says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? 
I considered choosing those verses again uh, as our verse for, the, uh, uh, for this year, but I don't want you to think, oh, this new vicar's come in and he's telling us to forget everything that's happened before and it's all about him, because that's absolutely not the case. I actually sensed the importance of these words for this church as I went through the interview process to be your vicar. I shared them with Neil at the interview, just in case you didn't appoint me. And there are two reasons for that. Firstly, this word, forget. It's quite a harsh word, isn't it? If we forget something, we're hoping to cast it uh, from our mind. In fact, the original Hebrew word doesn't translate well into English. Forget is what most translations use. Some use honour instead. Honour the Thelma things. But that doesn't really translate either because when we honour something, we usually hold to it too tightly. There's one translation that says move on from the former things. But if we move on from the former things, similarly to sometimes when we forget the former things, we can, we can forget, we cannot remember all that God has done in the past. See just the verses before, God talks about all that he has done in the past. Why would he say that if he's trying to help us to forget them? This calling into a new thing, this calling to forget the former things, is, I think, a calling of God not to base our expectations on what he has done before. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. It doesn't say, see, I am doing the next thing. It is a new thing that God has planned for this new season of life. I have a saying that I use at uh, Living Free. If you've done Living Free, you will have heard this already. And if you haven't, you'll hear it over the next term. And that is that memory is the enemy of faith. Let me repeat that. Memory is the enemy of faith. I don't know whether you know about elephants uh, when they're in the circus. Uh, when they're baby elephants, they're tied to humongously... Uh, strong, that's not a word, but we'll go with it, uh, uh, steel girders that are concreted into the ground. And they pull and they pull and they pull in an attempt to get free, and they learn that it's impossible to get free from this steel girder. So much so that when they're bigger elephants, they can be attached to the ground with a very small uh, piece of wood, because as soon as they feel that resistance, they stop pulling, because their memory is stopping them believing what they can do. As we enter this new season of life, this new season of calling together, I think the Lord wants us to forget in those terms the former things, to not place our expectations on what he has done in the past, but to set our expectations on what he will do in the future. So the main thing I want to talk about this evening is calling. And I appreciate I've been talking for five minutes already and I've only just got to the main thing I want to talk about. Please don't worry. I've chosen these two passages specifically because we have, firstly, the calling of Abram. I don't know whether you know, uh, but the end of Genesis 11 is actually quite an important part of the Bible. It's the point at which uh, we move from prehistory to history. What are you talking about, Adam? Any ideas? <laughs> prehistory. Uh, is all the things that happened before uh, Genesis 11:27, 27, 
And we can't easily place those things in other texts outside of the Judeo-Christian faith. That's not to mean that they didn't happen, that we don't believe in them, that they aren't uh, the word of God. It's just that post-Genesis 11.27, everything that we see in Scripture is easily traceable with other texts, with other parts of culture, with other contexts around. And so in one sense, this end of this chapter of Genesis is the beginning of history and the end of prehistory. And then we had those fantastic, amazing words of Jesus said at the end of his ministry on the earth as, as, as a man. So we have something at the beginning of history and something at the end of history. And I think this says three things, because all clergy think that all scriptures always say three things about calling. The first is that calling is always to a global purpose. The second is that calling is always to a people and a place. And the third is that calling is never to settle. Now, for those of you that know the settle for Carlisle train line, please don't worry, I'm not talking about that particular settle. People are called there. I'm talking about settling. We'll come to that in a moment. So what do I mean by calling is to a global purpose then? What I don't mean is that each of us are called to go to outer Mongolia or wherever it is. What I mean is that our calling is always beyond ourselves. The call of Abraham is to be the father of many nations. That's why he becomes Abraham. His calling is beyond himself. The calling that Jesus gives us in the Great Commission is to go to the end of the world, make disciples of all nations. It is a calling that is beyond ourselves. It is a global calling beyond ourselves. Your call, my call, is always to impact the culture to impact the society, to impact our workplaces, our homes, the people around us. It's always beyond ourselves. As part of our vision process, someone from outside of the church uh, sensed that St. Jude's was to be a safe harbour. And those that were on the vision team might remember uh, that I was quite taken with that phrase of being a safe harbour. We actually threw it out as as part of the vision document, not for the reason I'm about to share. In fact, because the word harbour may well relate us to another church in in the parish or in the patch that are doing great things for the kingdom of God. And we felt that we needed a different way of expressing that. But as I've reflected on it, I think the reason we cast it out was, in fact, the work of God. Because if we see ourselves as a safe harbour, We see everything that happens outside of this building as being dark and dangerous and needing to be avoided at all costs, and this being the place that we need to come to for safety. Now, of course, there's something about the safety of God uh, that we all come to, but in fact, our calling is to be a beacon of hope, the words we've mercifully used, a beacon of hope into our world, into our community. God calls us to a purpose that is beyond ourselves, a global purpose. It is not that the church of God has a mission. It is that the mission of God has a church. The church of God does not have a mission. The mission of God has a church. That's why I was so keen not to just simply come and hand you a vision written out, ready for you to go with. I wanted us, as the church of God, to discern what God's mission, what God's vision is 
for this church. And I will be forever grateful to all of you, all of you who have contributed and been part of this process. So if we're in danger this evening of seeing ourselves, our calling as not beyond ourselves, then our prayer needs to be, Lord, lift my eyes to see your purpose. I also think that calling is to a specific people and a specific place. Abram is called to go to Cana. Jesus calls people into the world, to its people. Three weeks ago, I asked you, if you were here on the morning, at the morning service, to consider how strongly you believed that God would work even more powerfully in this place in the future. Those of you who are here might remember the score that you gave that statement. How strongly do you believe God is going to work in this place in the future? I'm going to ask you a slightly different question this evening, and that is how are you currently feeling about St. Jude's and about this vision that we have discerned together? You don't need to tell me out loud. You can tell me later if you wish. How are you currently feeling about that? Are you fired up for what God is doing in this place? Or are you feeling fed up? Are you fired up or are you feeling fed up? Let's think about St. Margaret's for a moment. For those that don't know, St. Margaret's is our church plant uh, and, and it's going wonderfully uh, over at the other end of Albert Road. Those dear friends who went to St. Margaret's went there, as far as I'm aware, not because they were fed up with what was going on here, but because they were fired up for what God was going to do and is doing through them, them in that place. That's the reason I think it has been a success on the whole and continues to be a success because the people of God in that place are fired up for what God is doing in it and in them. Friends, that is what I'm asking of us this weekend, this evening, that we would be people who are fired up for what God is doing in this place through this vision. Over the next uh, few weeks, hopefully, we'll be meeting uh, some new students who are coming to Portsmouth for the first time or maybe looking for a church in Portsmouth for the first time. And I've been really clear with DeVita and with those that are going to be meeting them that we, what we don't say to them is, please, will you come to St. Jude's? Instead, what we say to every student, every young person, every person that comes to this place is please go to the place that God has called you to be and where you will be fired up for the ministry and mission of that place. We are about kingdom building, not empire building. So that's a question for you this evening. How are you feeling about St. Jude's? Are you fired up or are you fed up? There are seasons in all of our lives sometimes when we feel fed up, aren't there? I was uh, remembering with somebody a few days ago, about four or five years ago, Jess and I were involved in a church, and there was a worship leader that was there who I didn't, I got on perfectly well with personally, but led worship in a very different way to the way I would lead worship, and I found it incredibly difficult to engage with the worship he led. One of the things he would always do is pick songs that I really, really didn't like, and it used to wind me up something chronic. Now, I went to the church one evening uh, expecting someone else to be leading worship, and he was there because he'd kindly stepped in for the person who was unwell. And my heart truthfully sank. And he began to lead probably one of my least favorite songs of the time. And my heart sank 
even further. I was most definitely fed up in that place. Fortunately, the quiet voice of God said, Adam, why are you here? What is the reason you are here this evening? And in that few minutes, I repented truthfully of the way I was feeling about this chap who was leading worship in a perfectly good way that others were engaging with. Repented of my feelings and my desires to be right and to do things my way and engaged with God through the rest of that song worship. Became fired up for what God was doing in that place. Now you need to know before I tell you the next thing, what happened next had never happened in that church before and as far as I'm aware has never happened since. But at the end of the block of worship, somebody sat at the front, shared out loud a spiritual tongue, a tongue in another language. And as he shared that tongue, clear as a bell, I heard the voice of God tell me what it was that he was saying through that tongue. Now I wonder if I'd have left myself in that place of being fed up rather than fired up, whether I would have heard God's voice to me that evening, whether he would have been able to work powerfully through me in that place. If you're not fired up in this place, then our prayer this evening is, Lord, help me to discern what we're doing, what you are doing, and to be excited for it, to know your calling on my life in this place. So the final thing, briefly, I want to think about from this passage is that calling is never to settle. Uh, you might be wondering why we chose this passage from, uh, from uh, Genesis. Again, thank you to Ruth for wonderfully reading the names. I'm just going to read verses 31 and 32 to you again from chapter 11, if you've still got it open. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, And together, they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. They set out to go to Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. What we know of Haran is it's a perfectly nice place, a bit of a South Sea of its day, perhaps, a very lovely place to be. So nice, it's interesting, isn't it, that Terah calls one of his sons after Haran. Interesting, normally you don't do that over a place that you don't like. And yet, they set out for Canaan. Canaan is the place that Abram then goes to a little later in the passage. But they settle in Haran. God's calling is always deeper into relationship with him. Sometimes that's scary. Sometimes that means physically moving, but not always, as I say. I could easily have stayed uh, in Leamington Spa. Uh, We had lots of friends there. We were relatively well-liked, I think, Uh, And uh, it would have been an easy place for us to stay, but it wasn't the place that God called us to. Remember I said that calling of God is not always to move physically, but it's always to move spiritually. And if you're sat there this evening, and I'm sure you're not, but if you are sat there thinking, well, I can't possibly grow any deeper in my relationship with God, I've already made it. Thanks, Adam. I'm sorry, you're probably wrong. 
unless Jesus is with us, uh, in which case, welcome. It doesn't matter if you're nine or you're 90. God calls us to continue to walk and to grow deeper into our relationship with him. And that calling is not one to settle. If we recognize this of ourselves tonight, we've allowed ourselves to settle for the status quo, then maybe we need to ask the Lord to show us where he is calling us next and ask him to help us not to settle. Chapter um, 12, verse 4 says, So Abram went and the Lord, as the Lord had told him. Such simple words, aren't they? I hope it's very many years until my family have to think about this. For when I die, I would love these words or a version of them on my gravestone. Adam went as the Lord had told him. That, my friends, is my prayer for us as a community. That we would go as the Lord has told us. I wonder if you would stand with me and I'll pray for us. As I was uh, praying for this evening, I nearly had a fourth passage of scripture um, because I just sensed there may be one or two people who, as they've listened to me, have felt something of a lack. Maybe they've said, Lord, that sounds really exciting, but I really don't have enough energy. I don't have enough excitement. I don't have enough faith. Maybe even not enough money to do the things that you've called me to do. The scripture I nearly chose is one we know well, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Before we worship, I wonder if we might answer that question in our hearts. How are we feeling this evening about this new season of life for this church? Are we fired up or are we fed up? And if we're fed up, what are we lacking? And we ask, Lord, meet with us in this place. And hold to that promise of scripture. That you are our shepherd. That in you, we lack nothing. Let's just hold a moment of silence as we do that work together with the Lord for our own lives.
we praise you for this new season of life that you have for us. Inspire, excite us, I pray. Help us not to settle in our comfort zones for the status quo. Help us to expect far more of you than we have seen in, through you in the past. Help us, Lord, to be fired up for your people. Help us to look beyond ourselves. God, we praise you as a God of mission, a God who calls us to impact our culture, our community, our homes, our workplaces, our families. Lord, we praise you that you long to be the heart of all of those places. And that you want to use us to do that. Excite us for the possibilities that are ahead. And remind us that we do it with you. Holy Spirit, as we worship, continue to minister to us in this place and meet with us that we might not leave just challenged, but we might leave changed for your kingdom. Amen.